In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You guys say amen. That's how it works, okay? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we ask tonight that you be with us, that you guide us, give us wisdom. That you anoint this time. That you help us to see that our greatest good is our salvation. And our salvation is to know you. And to live our faith to the fullest. So for words from a second century homily. When they hear the words of God on our lips, unbelievers are amazed at their beauty and power. But when they see that those words have no effect in our lives, their admiration turns to scorn. And they dismiss such words as myths and fairy tales. Jesus, may our words be our lives. And may we take you at your word. As we pray together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good. Simon Shields. Hannah Moran. All right, well, first of all, I just want to thank you all for coming. I know it's a little bit of uh, time out of your uh, busy weeks as school gets going. I want you to know it's an absolute privilege for uh, myself and our team uh, of volunteers here at St. Joe's to help educate your kids. Notice I said help educate your kids and catechize your kids. The primary job of catechesis is your job, right? We are meant to, we're, we're not meant to be mutually exclusive. We work together. But that means that I count on you. And if you don't fulfill your role, it's not just on us. Like, don't just drop your kids off and, like, you go, oh, make them holy. Father, do your job. I want to tell you something about my job, okay? I make $26,000 a year. Loaded. <laughs> $26,000 a year. You know what I make every year? No matter what I do, no matter how many baptisms I have, or how many people fill this church, or how many faith formation kids become saints. You know what I get every year for a raise? Guesses? $10. Not every month, every year. $10. What's the point of that? If you guys... All these young people, if you all become saints and change the world, I make $26,000 a year plus 10 bucks every other year. If you all become the worst sinners and worst people on the planet and ruin our earth, I make $26,000 a year plus $10 every year. There is zero incentive for me to be here. In fact, many priests, shouldn't say many, some just take faith formation and give it to their people that they've hired or their volunteers and say, take care of it. I got to go do my fantasy league, get ready for Thursday night football. But I'm here. And the reason I'm here is, is not that I have any incentive to make any more money or gain anything. The only reason I'm here is because something happened in my life and it changed my life. 
And it was so significant that I decided I was going to give my life to help other people experience that. That's my incentive. I met someone. I didn't encounter something or a set of rules. I met someone that changed everything in my life. And I want to tell other people about it. As I was thinking about this talk, a couple things came to me. First of all, your kids don't want to be here. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> they don't want to be here. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to go to Catholic schools. I didn't want to do any of that. I didn't want to learn the faith. I thought it was boring. I thought it was for old people. No offense to the elderly if they're here. <laughs> Second thing that came to me is if Jesus is God and the Eucharist is Jesus, why is everyone so bored? Christianity is like the most exciting thing that happened to me in my life. It opened up, I, I, I have a couple friends, they're, they're high school buddies. And we, get to, we try to get together every month, because we got sick of seeing each other at like really bad times. And so we say, you know what, we're just going to get together. They weren't really all in with their faith. Some weren't in at all. And after talking and hanging out and experiencing all this stuff, one guy now is applying for the diaconate. My high school classmate. I told him, I said, if we go to our third year reunion and I walk in as a priest and you walk in as a deacon, people are going to die. Two of the least possible candidates. One has opened up his eyes and is seeing things newly. For the first time, he said, he's like, Father, it feels like I'm, I'm seeing clearly. Like I've just been seeing this haze forever. And I've been believing all these lies. And now I finally see. And another guy is going deeper and deeper into his faith as well. And I'm not saying that's because of me. I'm, not, I'm saying that's because of our conversations. And what happens in those conversations is they meet somebody. And that's what I want for your kids. I want them to meet somebody. And I don't want to have to pull their teeth. And trust me, I won't have to pull their teeth. But what I need from you, and I mean this, I need this more than anything, is I need your help. Everybody sits around and complains about the world and how crazy it is and all the problems we have. What are we doing about it? I bet if I sit down with a six-pack of beer with any of you, we could diagnose every problem right now going on in America. How many of us could come up with an answer? By saying, let's just get somebody out of office and get somebody else into office. Oh, that's the savior. That's the answer. That's never worked for America. What we need is people to change the country. And the people that change things are people that are virtuous. That are good. That care. That sacrifice that believe in something. I once heard a quote. It said, the worst are filled with passionate intensity, while the good lack all conviction. How true that is. How true that is right now. 
Right now, our model for life as Christians is unconvincing. People don't believe it. That's why I read that little thing at the beginning. I said, we, they look at what we say and they're like, man, that's amazing. And then they look at us and they're like, eh, I don't know if I believe that. I think it was Gandhi that said, I think Christianity is the greatest religion in the world. I've just never met a Christian. We have at our disposal everything we need. And I think that people just don't know him. I've never met him. And if you don't know him and you don't meet him and you don't make him a priority, you don't care. And if you don't care, parents, they don't care. Right now, we live in quite possibly the most selfish society to ever exist. You have to be so intentional if you want to do anything and succeed at it. Because there's so many things clamoring for all of their minds and hearts. If you don't intentionally live your faith day in and day out, it will go away. If you occasionally come to Sunday Mass, your kids are like, what what do you want from me? It obviously doesn't affect you. It's obviously not a priority for you. Why should it be a priority for me? If you want your kids to be good and holy young men and women, then choose correctly. I don't know if you know this, but like, I think we've domesticated Jesus a little bit. What do I mean by that? I think we've made him too nice. You know, like, I know so many people are like, well, yeah, I mean, I believe in Jesus, so I'm going to go to heaven. (laughs) You're going to go to heaven? Well, then do whatever you want. There's no incentive to change. But if we sit back, because here's the problem, you guys. Nowhere, nowhere in the scriptures does Jesus say, oh, you're all going to heaven. In fact, he has quite a few parables, stories, teachings that say that's not the case unless every day you pick up your cross and follow him. Every day. And I'm not saying that to scare you. We don't need Catholics that just live the faith because they're afraid to go to hell. That's like, we'll have even less joy than we have now. What we need is people that are on fire for the faith. They saw what he did. That's, and, and they want to follow it. They want to do something different. Here's the problem, you guys. The, the way that we work as human beings, we're in time. And everything, every choice you make has repercussions. There are four qualities of the human person that make us in the image and likeness of God. Don't worry, I won't ask you any of these questions tonight. The first one is we have an intellect, which means we can think, we can reason. Second, we have a will, which means we can choose. Third, we have an immortal soul, which means we will live forever. And fourth, the fourth thing is we call the shots. We get to decide who we become. And so at the end of your life, if you had this terrible life and all these terrible things happen to you, a lot of that's your fault. And if you have a good life and everything's great, a lot of that's a consequence of your choice. 
And you might say, Father, well, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I have to The wounds and the struggles and the suffering. Look, I know everybody suffers. Everybody in this church has suffered and suffered a lot. But here's the thing. You don't have to let that define you. You don't have to keep living out of that. You don't have to keep choosing that. I once, uh, I said this and I was like, every once, I, I don't know if you guys ever had this, but I, like every once in a while I say something and I'm like, wow, that was good. And I'm like, that couldn't have been me because I'm not smart enough to come up with, like that had to have been God spitting something out. And it was this line, this lady, she, we were sitting and we were talking, this about 10 years ago. And she had got, she had this terrible marriage, all this stuff, it was awful, just no forgiveness. And she's like, Father, that man has ruined the last 10 years of my life. And I looked at her and I said, he's going to ruin the rest of your life unless you make different choices. And this is the real golden nugget. I said, if you let your past define your present, you'll never have a future. If you let your past define your present, you'll never have a future. And so today, look, maybe you haven't been living the faith to the, the full. Maybe you haven't. That, that's okay. Jesus is always like, that's all right, let's do it, let's start, let's do it now. Make a choice now. But you have to make it a priority. The amount of, like, I'm pulling teeth trying to get people to come to faith formation or come to Sunday Mass. But man, I go to a football game? Holy cow! Everybody's there. And they're on time. Hell, they're, sorry. Heck, they're even early. They make sure their kids are there in plenty of time to get warm-ups in. Why? Well, they've made that a priority. They don't miss one practice. If I come and stay here and I say, if you miss one class of confirmation with an unexcused absence, you will not be confirmed. Parents will freak out on me. If a coach says, you miss one practice, unexcused, you're benched. Parents are like, you deserve it. Priorities. Little by little by little, we either become saints or we become demons. We call the shots. It's up to us. If you don't nurture the faith, the faith will die. And it's imperative that your children are here. And more than that, that you are modeling the faith for them. I like to tell this story every single year because I find it fascinating. There was a man in China. He was in the Fujing province of China. In that province, religion is outlawed. You can't even practice any type of religion. And this man was in charge of the underground church, which means he was the, kind of the organizer to get everybody over to whatever house or wherever the location was, get them there, get the priest there, have mass and get everybody home without anybody dying or getting arrested. And he was good at it. Months, maybe even a couple years that this went on. Finally, the communists figured it out and they found this guy. He managed to get everybody out, but they arrested him. They took him to a Chinese prison and for 30 days straight, they tortured him. With the cattle prod, makeshift cattle prod. They just shock him and shock him and shock him and shock him until he'd either pass out, he was burned, he was scarred after 30 days. And all he had to do, you guys, all he had to do was just say where the priest was. That's it. Tell us where the priest is. 
and we'll let you go. And he wouldn't do it. After 30 days, they just said, release him. We can't. We're not going to break this guy. So they released him. You know what he did? He went to America. He said, I'm done with China. This is nuts. He got to America. When he got to America, as any immigrants, they come over here, they work hard. Because they're trying to make it. And he was working hard. And he got noticed right away because he's a hard worker. And we don't have a lot of hard workers anymore. And his manager said, you're great. So he promoted him. So he was working even more. And he was getting a little bit more money. And he was amazed because he could go to Eucharistic Adoration. He could go to Daily Mass. He could go to Sunday Mass. He's like, everything's so open and free here. This is amazing. He's just soaking it in. After a couple more months, he gets promoted. He gets 40 hours a week. But he's like, you got to come in early. So he had to give up Daily Mass. So he did. He's working hard, making more money, living the American dream. And he keeps working, he keeps working, he keeps working. Finally, he's promoted to manager. He says, now I need, you, I need you in the evenings too, so you can count money and make sure all of our books are balanced. So he says, yes. And he gives up Eucharistic adoration. Another year goes by and he gets promoted again to ma- regional manager. And he says, but I need you on weekends. You got to put in a lot of time if you want to really make it in this business. So he gave up Sunday Mass. In three years, this country did to him what torture couldn't do to him in communist China. That is the culture your kids are growing up in. And it happens little by little by little by little. The choices you make are of the utmost importance for your kids. You know, we do a lot of funerals here at St. Joseph's. A lot. Last year, I think we did like 69. That's a lot of funerals. When we sit down and talk to families, when I talk to them after the funerals at the funeral luncheons or at the cemetery, and I ask them, especially with a certain generation, the great generation, the great generation, the really old guys, And gals. They say to him, they say, what was so great about about your grandpa and grandma, mom and dad? On a dime. It is almost the same single thing every time. They say they love their faith above all things. And they love their family. And then I'll say, well, what parish do you go to? Oh, you know, we, we try to every once in a while get to Christ the King. Where's your family at? I mean, is everybody here? No, there's, I'd say half of them couldn't make it. So the very two things that you love about grandpa, grandma, or mom and dad are the very two things you're not doing. What do they say? It's insanity to do the same thing over and over and over and expect different results? What are we, what are we promoting? Now look, hunting's right around the corner. I love hunting. Fishing, I love fishing. Lake time, I love a lake time. Sports, I love them. But my faith is always first. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't always that way in my life, but you know who made it that way for me? 
my mom. My mom, come hell or high water, I was going to Mass. I remember one morning I sat and I was a big, tough senior in high school. Just got done with a huge soccer game. I was sore. I was tired. She came in. She said, get up. Let's go. We're going to Mass. I'm like, I'm not going. She's like, huh. Walked away. I was like, well, that was easy. (laughs) Should have tried that a long time ago. Two minutes later, bucket of ice cold water all over me. I went. (laughs) My mom made it imperative that I knew what was most important in her life and my dad. And that changed me. It took me a long time. But it changed me. So again, priorities. What are you doing? What are you promoting? I just want to give you a quick little image. I preached on this a couple years ago. This is not a trick question, okay? If you knew now, okay? 20 years ago, if you knew now about Apple and Google, 30 years ago, let's say, would it be wise to invest all of your money in 1990 into Apple and Google? This is not a trick question. Yes, he got it. Yes, it would be, would it make any sense whatsoever to even mess around with the other software companies, even though some of them were bigger than Apple and Google? No. Here's the thing. I assume that you're in this church because you believe we are made to live forever. What are you investing in? What are you investing in? Because to not invest invest in the faith with you and your family and your children is as dumb as bidding on Lennox or Linus, whatever that one was back then, that went broke. We know what we're made for. Why aren't we making it a priority? And maybe some of you are, and that's awesome, and I encourage you to do it more, and more, and more, and more. Did you know, one of my favorite stories, I love this too, I I got a buddy of mine, he's a big businessman, makes a lot of money, and he gave me that, he said, he's like, Father, you got to read this. And it was was Jeff Bezos, y'all know who he is, right? Okay, Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, he sent out his quarterly stockholders report with his like letter to his shareholders and in it there is a lot it's it's a very fascinating letter on a lot of accounts but the line that caught me is this amazon thrives on the dissatisfaction of its customers what prime two-day delivery Amazon Music, Amazon Video, Amazon Smile. I can even raise money for my church. Thrives. Thrives. Not just like sort of is okay with. It thrives on the dissatisfaction of its customer base. Why? Because we're not made for it. We're not made for it. Did you know right now they say on average kids 
these guys, their age, have a total of about seven hours a day screen time. Between school, you know, because there's a lot of iPads, and seven hours a day. On average, three hours a day on social media. I just recently, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, because I'm a weak man, I admit it. But I just recently got rid of YouTube. I have a buddy, I, I said, lock it out. I said, I can't get up here and I can't preach to all these people and say TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and YouTube. And you don't need it. Facebook, you don't need it. And I never have had social media. And I'll, I'm, look at me. I'm okay. I'm even happy. But I said, I'm even going to try YouTube now. And I'm going to take that time where I was watching. Because here's the thing, you guys. You all waste so much time. I know it because I do too. You get on a YouTube rabbit hole. Or you're just scrolling, 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 scrolling. Like, scrolling, dislike, scrolling. I don't want that person as a friend. Scrolling. Wasting your life. You got, I don't know. I, 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 I hate to be the very bad news. But you guys know you only have one life. That's right, I know. It's, it's brutal. You only get one shot at this. You don't want to screw this up. And I constantly hear parents say, they say, well, I just want my kids to have it better than I had it. I have a good buddy that I taught with one time. And he was talking to this guy. And he's like, well, I just want my kids to have it better than I had it. And he said, oh, yeah, me too. Like, I want to spend more time with them and take them camping and fishing and, like, just hang out and talk and just be with them and spend as much possible time as I can with them. And the guy's like, well, yeah. My buddy's like, oh. Oh, you want them to have more stuff than you have. You want them to have more money than you have. You want them to have an easy life. There is no more sure way, parents, to destroy your child or for them to destroy themselves than to give them an easy life. The easier it is, the less character they have, the more entitled they become, and the less virtue they have. We were made for greatness, not comfort. And greatness demands sacrifice. I was just teaching the adolescents today. And I sat back and I was like, isn't it strange that every other thing in this world has rules? Football. Could you imagine if I took you four guys and I put just helmets and shoulder pads and jerseys and touchdown markers and first down sticks and headgear, like, you know, the bows things. I just say it all here, and you're like, what am I supposed to do with it? Whatever you want. You wouldn't have football. When do you get most mad in football? At least when I get most mad in football, besides when the Vikings lose. <laughs> when I get most mad in football is when there's a penalty that didn't get called. Right? Guess what? Right now, everybody's breaking the rules and nobody's calling any penalties. Why do you think when it comes to human, human nature that we can just do whatever we want? Oh, you be you, you be you, I'm me, you're good, I'm good, let's just all get together. That will never work. We need something to govern us, to guide us, to give us structure. 
And out of that will come virtue. Out of that will come character. I want to finish with a, a story. And I tell this story. Well, I have two stories, sorry. I say I'm going to finish a lot and then I don't finish. It's kind of one of those like segue, pull you in, and then take the plane off again. But one of them, maybe you've heard this story from me before, but it was so touching to me. Because it, it, it flipped my life upside down. Like St. Paul. St. Paul's out persecuting Christians and all of a sudden God knocks him off his horse. He goes blind and his whole world flips upside down. This is what happened to me. I was in Mexico. I lived in Mexico for about six months when I was a sophomore in college. Junior in college. Because you had the opportunity. You could either write a huge paper in Spanish that was like 80 pages or you could go study in Mexico. No brainer, right? <laughs> I went to Mexico. And we surfed a lot down there. We rarely went to school. We were pathetic college kids, you know, pretty, pretty average. I passed, for the record. But one time we were down there, I didn't know how to dance, like most American men. Most American men cannot dance. And the Latin American girls were getting fed up with us. And so these girls were like, we want to teach you how to dance because you suck at dancing. And I'm like, okay, this is like a dream come true. Nine Latin American girls and me going to a club. It was perfect. You never hear that from a priest. But anyway, it was BC, before conversion. And I went out, and I was waiting in this piazza for these women. No offense, ladies, but they were late. I just waited. And there was this little girl that came up to me. And she was, I don't know, maybe five-ish, six, maybe. She was dirty tattered rags and she had this little pizza box like the top of a pizza box and it had friendship bracelets on it and they were the ugliest friendship bracelets I've ever seen in my life and she came up and she's like would you buy a friendship bracelet and I'm like no go away and I actually pushed her away she stunk it was gross I didn't want a friendship bracelet I wanted nothing to do with her I had my mind set on the club and nine Latin American women she disappeared Five minutes later, I felt somebody walk up behind me. I was sure it was them. I turned around and she's like, please. And I'm like, no, go away. I was a jerk. She left. A couple minutes later, I'm sitting there, I'm looking. I'm, I think I see him coming, maybe. I feel somebody sit down right next to me, lay across my lap. She's holding it on. She's like, please. And that was enough. That even cracked my hard heart. I said, fine. How much are they? She's like, a peso. I'm like, here's a peso. She's like, pick one. I'm like, I don't want one. She's like, you have to pick one. I'm like, I don't want one. You have to pick one. I don't want one. And I'm arguing with this six-year-old, right? He's getting really upset with her. And she says to me, she said, fine. But we're going to do something. We're going to play a game. And I'm like, what's the game? And she's like, heads or tails. I'm like, fine. Flick the coin, catch it. She's like, heads. I'm like, tails. Bye. You lose. And she's like, no, 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 no. Again. So I flip it. Catch it. Heads. Heads. She gets it. I'm like, there, you won your peso. Go away. And she's like, no, 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 no. Otra vez, otra vez, otra vez. Do it again, do it again, do it again. I'm like, okay. Just raking me of my money, right? <laughs> Flipping coins. We played for like a good five minutes. She's winning all these pesos, and all of a sudden, her little brother comes over. And her little brother comes walking up. He's like, I want to play, too. And he's just as dirty and nasty and 
I'm like, all right, well, I got a few more paces, so I'm flicking. This dude's like the worst heads of tails player ever on the planet. No matter how many, I just said, just keep saying heads. You're going to win. <laughs> Last pace, so I'm like, this is it, dude. You don't win this, I'm out. And he's like, I got this. I'm like, all right, it's a little three-year-old or whatever. <laughs> flicking as high as I can. He's like, <gasps> and I'm like, call it. He's like, and it lands in its heads and he picks it up and he just takes off screaming running this victory lap around the piazza his sister meanwhile you know holding ten dollars in pesos he gets back after the victory lap and at this point I'm having so much fun with these little kids I'm like you guys I don't have any coins but I have money I was like do you want to get ice cream and they're like yeah ice cream and I'm like yeah and they're like wait 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 and I'm like what and they're like wait here and they ran over to the corner, this dark corner of the piazza. And there was their mother. Tattered rags. I didn't see her the entire time. And they ran to her with this money. And they threw it on her. And they came running back to me. Huge smiles on their faces. And in that moment, you guys. In that moment. My whole life changed. Because I realized... And I pray to God, I pray to God I get to heaven and I run into these two kids. Because in that moment I realized the truth about human nature is this. We're not made for stuff. We're not made for money. We're not made for fame. We're made for relationship and love. That's all they wanted. They didn't want the money. They wanted me. My love. My affection. And my whole world flipped upside down. Because I had gone after the wrong stuff for far too long. And that's when everything began to change in my life. I pray that it changes in your life. Because the ones who we remember are not the ones that were the idiots, the clowns. We're really close to September 11th. You know what we remember from September 11th? We, didn't, we don't remember the ones that when the planes hit, they all ran away. We don't remember them. We don't even know who they are. You know who we remember? The ones that ran in. There's a whole documentary on this that National Geographic did. One of the most touching moments is that all the firemen are standing around and they're like, we're going up. And they all hug and shake each other's hand and they look each other in the face. And they say, it was a pleasure working with you and serving New York City. And they went up the stairs and every one of them died. Everyone. That's a hero. And if we want to be like, if we want to be men and women like that, then we got to start living it now. Or we will be the one that just runs away. People filming stuff that's going on where people are getting hurt instead of going and helping them. Because I'm going to get more hits. Because people are going to see it and they're going to like me more. Me, 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 me. The sooner you figure out that this life is not about you, the happier you're going to be. I promise you that. And it's hard. Because it's a selfish, selfish, selfish culture. C.S. Lewis one time said this, and I want, to, I, make, I want to make these, I want this on my tombstone. My hope, this, this is just freaking great. 
My hope is that when I die, all of hell rejoices because I'm finally out of the fight. Hell will rejoice because they're like, finally, that son of a buck is dead. And he's not fighting us anymore. I hope, you guys, I really hope that those are the lines at the end of my life. The only real sadness, the only real failure, the only real tragedy of this life is not to become a saint. And why is that? Because that's what you and I were made for, is to be saints. Anything less than that is a failure. So you got a million dollars? Who cares? You're going to die. So you're famous. Who cares? You're going to die. So you're the president. Who cares? You're going to die real soon. It's just a fact. It wasn't political. That was a fact. I pray, you guys, that this year you go all in. And I'm not talking to these guys. I'm talking to all of you. Parents, students, that you try a little bit harder. Go a little bit more. When you drop your kids off, don't leave. Don't drive away. Don't play on your phone. Come in and pray for them. For five minutes. Come and sit outside my classroom. We had a parent do that last year. Just listen. Maybe you can learn a few things. Please. I pray not only that you just, that you learn a lot, but I just pray that you encounter him. And that will change everything. I'm really looking forward to this year. I'm humbled. I love to teach. And I love to teach my parishioners and their children. But I need your help. And so I'm asking you to go just a little bit further. Maybe that little bit further is just coming to Sunday Mass every Sunday with your kids. Maybe that's the one thing. Maybe it's praying at night as a family. I don't know. You pick. But just something. So that you and me, all of us, can go a little deeper this year. Yes or yes? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Chris Redman, our Director of Sacramento Outreach.